Hello and welcome to Cybercrime Investigations. The Billion Dollar Bank Heist with Jeff White and Glenn Goodman. First things first, we should probably introduce ourselves. Uh, I'm Jeff White. I'm an investigative journalist and I cover technology for, among others, BBC News, Channel 4 News, Audible and so on. And I'm Glenn Goodman and I am a cryptocurrency expert, particularly cryptocurrency trading, which I also cover for the BBC and those are various other places. The ones I mentioned as <laughs> yeah, well, yes. I can't yeah. remember what they were, but <laughs> I probably do them too. And, uh, and I'm the author of uh, The Crypto Trader. You'll like this podcast, though, because this is all about money and it's all about theft of money. So it's got a financy bent. I feel like you'll you'll enjoy this process. Good. Yeah. I love I love the intersection of technology and finance. That's where I get my rocks off. <laughs> that's where you work. That's your oeuvre. Yeah, maybe I shouldn't right? have used rocks. That's that's not literally true about the rocks, but yeah. Well, so long as it doesn't happen in the course of the next hour or so, that'll be <laughs> fine. <laughs> Try and hold it. So this is about. I want to talk about the hacking of Bangladesh Bank. Okay. This is this is a a billion dollar bank theft, or at least an attempted billion dollar bank theft. And what I love about, so I've been writing about the hacking of Bangladesh Bank for my book, which I've been writing recently. Um, and what's great about it is it, it, it really runs almost exactly like a Hollywood heist film. So, you know, the, the heist, the classic heist movies, Reservoir Dogs, The League of Gentlemen. The Sting. The Sting, Ocean's Eleven. Truly Madly Deeply. Ocean's 12. Ocean's 12. How to Train Your Dragon. Ocean's 13. Ocean's 13. There was Ocean's 8 recently, wasn't there, which was the, the, the female-led Ocean's film. Did you see that one? I, ha- I didn't, but then I lost I lost uh, touch <coughs> after about Ocean's 11, to be honest. I, I, I made myself sound like an expert there when yeah. I was saying Ocean's 12 and Ocean's 13, but, but that was just me knowing numbers. The, and <laughs> it proves you can count. Yeah. Which I guess as a trader is important for you. Um... So, so the thing about the heist movies is they all have, um, there's certain things you have to do in a heist movie, right? There's certain scenes that happen in a heist movie. Right. So you, you get the gang together and then there's a sort of dry run where they do a practice of what they're going to do in the vault. You, you're not, you're yeah. looking at me like you don't know, does this ringing a bell? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's the is. getaway and it stuff. It is, yeah. There's just certain tropes of heist movies that you do in a heist film. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this, this Bangladesh Bank case has all of them, but just in cyberspace. It's almost quite weird the extent to which it translates over into a Hollywood he- Hollywood heist plot, basically. So there was no actual <clears throat> real world drilling involved into bank vaults or no, anything like that. It was not the Diamond Geezers who broke into the Hatton Garden uh, vault. This was all done in cyberspace. But but as I say, there's so many sort of crossovers from the cyberspace stuff into 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 real life. Got you. So when they make a movie out of this, it'll be one of those movies where they have just a lot of people typing yes. very fast and then like, like yes. code going across oh, the screen God. and yes. kind of fading in and out of yes. vision. Oh, and also the person who does the, the typing will have to be in a dark room with yep. a hood on with a hoodie. at all yep. times. Yep, exactly. Yep. Yep. Um, <laughs> they just fumble about in the dark when now, they go to the toilet. The the interesting thing about this is that where there was so much detail about this bank job that, yeah. that one of the things I want to do in this podcast is actually explain how the hacking code worked because it wasn't like it wasn't screeds and screeds of like green text and a black background. We'll yeah. come to this later on, but it basically comes down to eight characters of code. It's astonishing. Wow. Yes, yeah, astonishing. Absolutely astonishing. Eight characters. That's ZX Spectrum I know, style. I know. Uh, I know. We're talking 1K. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. So, let, let, starting at the beginning, right? So, so this is about the hacking of Bangladesh Bank. 
Yeah. And this is, when I say Bangladesh Bank, it's the Bank of Bangladesh. It's like the Bank of England. It's the National Bank of Bangladesh okay. that we're talking about here. So, um, clearly, Bangladesh, a country that's that's got problems every now and again, environmental problems. It's not a very wealthy country, Bangladesh. Um, and so the Bangladesh Bank is a hugely important... Are you thing. showing your privilege there? Uh, to, to a certain extent, <laughs> no, I'm just stating facts about Bangladesh. Like, so this has... You can never be too careful these days. Well, exactly, yeah, yeah. So, but Bangladesh Bank... The important thing to know about this is, is that Bangladesh Bank doesn't just have money in Bangladesh. Yeah. So I didn't realise this. You probably being a finance buff know about this, but the, the National Bank of Bangladesh has accounts at other banks in other countries. Yes. They have a, a billion dollars, Bangladesh Bank, in an account in New York, in the New York Federal Reserve Bank. So the, the famous New York Fed. So, so Bangladesh Bank has some money in Bangladesh, but is storing a billion dollars of foreign currency of dollars in New York, basically, in a bank account in New York. Right. So when they want to pay somebody in dollars from the New York account, they, they send an instruction to the New York bank and say, can you please play, pay uh, Glenn Goodman a million dollars? And it goes out of their account. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. That's the critical thing to understand about this. Okay. Yeah. So, so we've done a few of these podcast stories now. Like, if you had to guess how this hack starts out... The, the sort of origin of the attack and what they did first of all, what would you guess at being the thing that they did to try and break into Bangladesh Bank? The classic hacker technique. First they they would it. try and break a password, like by writing password as the password. <laughs> it's a good bet. It's a good possibility. Um, phishing email. Was, oh, was the phishing answer. email. Yes, exactly. Right. Classic spam, scam, phishing email. Okay. Yeah. So this is this is January 2015. Emails start to arrive at Bangladesh Bank um, from what looks like a job seeker called Rasal Alam. This guy called Rasal Alam sends emails out to people. Um, and I've got the text here because I, I, like, I like the fact that he's, he's trying to be quite polite about this. I am extremely excited about the idea of becoming part of your company and I'm hoping you will give me an opportunity to present my case in further detail in a personal interview. Here is my resume and cover letter. And then there's a link where you can click on the link and download his resume and cover letter, or CV, as we call them in the UK. <laughs> oh, his curriculum love, vitae. Well, I love your modern te- terminology there. Yeah. So this is this is the this is the email that arrived. But it's quite I like it. Cause it's quite polite. Like yeah. You get the feeling Rasal Alam is actually. You know, I'd employ him. You'd employ. You'd click on the link. You'd open his CV. Mm. Mm. Maybe not. I don't. Yeah. Well, I suppose I don't know though because you know if somebody sends you their CV mm. to a bank and you're a bank that wants to employ people, yes. Well, how are you supposed to protect yourselves because because you have to open CVs? It's a fair point. It's. A, I, I suspect the short answer is you send it to IT support who scan it for viruses and stuff. You know, like. Well, you, you do that with every <laughs> single email that ever arrives from a job seeker. That must be like hundreds a day, probably. That, that is a, that is a good uh, question. There are things that filter them as they come through. So that there's software that can basically look at all the attachments that come through. Exactly. Before which is they why, come through, yeah. as the person receiving the email, you would assume yeah. that the Bank of Bangladesh's very strong firewalls and everything would have mm. dealt with any potential threat. Yep. By the time it gets to you, you would assume that yes. this is a bona fide CV. That's, that's got through the systems and is, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's it. See, this is the problem. I mean, in companies, I, I suspect I've been employed in companies and I'll be honest with you, even as somebody who covers cybersecurity, when I look at emails, there is this thought in the back of my head that says, well, somebody will have somebody will have scanned this or somebody will make sure it's safe. Or if it all goes wrong, somebody will 
we'll clean up the mess afterwards. I just feel like it's that thing employees yeah. have of, this is somebody else's problem, I'm going to click on this. Exactly. Well, yeah. look, email filters are very, very strong these days. I shouldn't mm. know, because because my my business is the world of crypto trading. You try sending anybody an email <laughs> with the heading, crypto trading, blah, 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 and it immediately gets picked up yep. by every spam filter yep. in the world. Yep. That's why I've never replied, by the way, to any of your emails. Oh, I thought that was just you and your didn't, personality. Didn't get any of them. Um, so anyway, so, so the emails arrive at Bangladesh Bank. Clearly, somebody at Bangladesh Bank opens this email up, downloads the CV, and at that point, their computer gets infected. Yeah. And what I find interesting about this is, is woohoo, you, you, they've hacked the bank. But the, the, there's a number of problems here for the hackers, right? Number one is, what if, what if the person who's answered the email... Well, they probably work in HR, don't they? If you're emailing CVs to them and they're opening CVs, that could be somebody who works in HR. Yeah. They don't necessarily have access to the money, do they? It's not like they're the ones sitting, you know, next to the vault and managing the money. So so if you've hacked into somebody, well done, you've hacked into their computer, but you've got to move across the Bangladesh Bank's networks to get to where the money is, to get to where you can control the money, right? Right. Mm. The other thing you've got to do is... You, you, what if that person like switches their computer on and off and the virus gets wiped or something like that? You've got to, as a hacker, you've got to a make sure once you're in, you you stay in. You've got like a, a constant access. Yeah. And b, you've got to make sure from that person's computer you can move from computer to computer. I mean, you know, I ain't no expert on hacking, but surely they must be able to have a program yeah. where once you're on one person's computer, then yes. you have access to the rest of the network. Exactly so. And they so so they had three things. They had. Um, uh, a thing called MacTruck, uh, which was a piece of software that, that gave them persistent access, as I understand it, to Bangladesh Bank. So that basically, it, it means that, you know, from that per- from that moment on, you, you're constantly into that person's computer. You've got like a back door straight into it. Okay. thing called NestEgg, which means that even if the person switches off their computer or stops things, it's constantly running this piece of software. Yeah. And the other one was Sierra Charlie, which is the thing that goes from that person's computer that you've hacked and looks at all of the other people's computers that are connected to it. So you try and, um, what do they call it, pivot, that's the word, pivot through the network. Right. Yeah? So I go from your computer, you're not very interesting, but you're connected to a guy who's an administrator and he's got passwords. This is what they did. They basically spread throughout Bangladesh Bank's networks. Yeah. Yes. I, I kind of understand this from the, the computer game I like to play, Hacker. Yes, which you've mentioned before. Yes, yeah. Yeah. which is uh, it's, it's kind of that kind of thing. You yes. just have your your various little apps, mm-hmm. and you click on different ones to achieve different goals. It's... Exactly so, and that's what they did. So, 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 so they end up at the point where, uh, from this person's computer, they can get from computer to computer to computer. And what they what they're looking for is basically the sort of door to the vault. Like, how do I actually get in? How do I steal? Because they, they, they know there's money in Bangladesh Bank. They just have to work out how they can get to it and actually start transferring it out. Yeah. And the key to this was um, they needed to get to a, a thing called the SWIFT system. Yes. SWIFT is... Oh, I'm very familiar with SWIFT. Are you, why are you very familiar with SWIFT? Are you, have you hacked? Have you well, the international hacked? money transfer yes. mechanism. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, because in the world of cryptocurrency, you know, part of many cryptocurrencies are aiming to try and replace ah. swift or at least to try and circumvent it and uh oh i see right 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 you know yeah i mean yeah. money transfer <clears throat> networks are obviously central to the the ambitions of many cryptocurrencies i see okay okay international well, transfer networks we're talking about and as i understand swift if you want to transfer money from bank to bank it's swift that you use like it's the it's the big I want to move a billion dollars from my bank to this bank, for example. It's you know, it's the back it's a room big system. Big system. Um, 
So yes, so this well that makes sense. So this is where the with is where the hackers want to end up. They want to end up at the SWIFT system so they can start transferring money. Yeah. And they're particularly interested in this billion dollars uh, uh, in New York. Um, so they managed to get across to the SWIFT computer. Yeah. Um, now I don't know whether this is I don't know in Bangladesh Bank whether this is one computer or a set of computers, but whichever it is, they end up on the computer that's running the SWIFT software. Right. And what I find interesting about this is, I, you know, you're obviously familiar with Swift, but have you ever used it? Have you ever sat down and actually made transfers using Swift? Um, the, the way it happens is it's all kind of, uh, well, it's a big messaging network that's used by banks and financial institutions. So mm. it's it's not something that, you know, you and I, when we're yeah. when we're on our sort of Santander or Lloyd's account or whatever, that we just click. Um, yeah. Can no. I use Swift now? Please? Yeah, exactly. But so this is what I find interesting. When they get in front of the Swift system, mm. the hackers know what to do. They know how to run it. It was described to me. So one of the researchers I, I spoke to said it was like they were sitting in the bank as a teller making transfers using Swift. Wow. So this is. So I got interested in this because for me that looks like the bit in the heist movie where they've practiced what they're gonna do. Yeah. So you know in a heist movie they set up like the bank vault in a barn somewhere and they practice and there's a guy with a stopwatch going, 58 seconds, we got to get it faster, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. And sure enough it turns out that the Swift system, there's been talk on the dark web about the Swift system for years. People have been selling sort of access to it and, and they've been talking, I can, I can give you insights into Swift. Um so it's a company called Digital Shadows, who I, who I spoke to for the book, and they did some research. And they, they found references to Swift going back to like 2010. Mm. So for a long time, people have realized, look, Swift is where the money is. And people have been saying, yeah, I work with Swift. Contact me. I'll talk you through it. So it doesn't, in a way, it, it doesn't surprise me that the hackers kind of knew what they were doing. Yeah. And actually, as we'll talk about later on, they'd had a bit of a fiddle with Swift before the Bangladesh Bank case, this particular set of hackers. So they kind of knew what they were doing. And this is the fascinating bit. So you talked about like in the movies when the code happens and they write the code and there's yeah there's always it's always like a black screen with just green like masses of green text going up it. Yes. Um, and and there's I don't know about you know any of this, but online there's loads of people who look at movies and they freeze frame the code and try and work out what code they were using. <laughs> and there were teardowns of like yeah they were that was complete rubbish. They were just you know downloading music files from the internet and the code didn't mean anything. That's true. That's why it, people were praising. I seem to remember a, a series, Mr. Robot. Mr. Robot, yeah. Because they, they, the code was actually, <laughs> people had looked and freeze-framed yes. and checked that the code was and real and bonafide. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, so what's interesting is they're going to break it. What, what they want to do is they want to break into Swift and they want to be able to sort of, you know, manipulate it. Yeah. So they look at the Swift code. There's a little bit of Swift code. It's like eight lines of code. Yeah. And at the top, it starts with a thing. It's a credentials check. It basically says, have you passed the credentials check? So it's like, are you logging in from the right computer, for example? Have you used the right password? It's a sort of if if you've passed the checks. And if you fail the check, there's another line of code that says, if you fail the check, go to line X. And line X says, you failed the checks. We're booting you out, basically. Right. So it's a very simple piece of code that says, have you passed the tests? If no, go to this line. And that line says, you failed the tests, boot you out. Okay. So what they did was they changed eight characters in those lines of code. So instead of checking whether you'd passed the tests or not, it said, skip this line, skip this line. So instead of doing the credentials check, instead of working out whether you were correct to be using the Swift system... That piece of code just got skipped. It's literally like skip wow. this. Wow! So instead of eight characters, instead of spending a lot of time 
trying to find ways to get around the authentic authentication yep. Yep. Uh, methods. Instead, they just they just they deleted just it out, <laughs> so you don't have to do that at all. Absolutely. So then they were able to use Swift, I assume, to send messages from one bank to another on yep. across the world. Exactly right. Um, and and enable money transfer that way. Exactly right. Because well, the assumption on the part of the banks who are receiving the Swift messages yeah. is that those Swift messages have been sent by somebody who's authorized to do them. So the messages are coming from within Bangladesh Bank right. to make the transfers. So as far as people like the New York Fed are concerned, it's like, well, you know, we've got a message from Bangladesh Bank. They're not necessarily checking because as far as they're concerned, that's Bangladesh Bank's job to do. Right. Yeah. So this is so that I just find this absolutely remarkable. It's like eight characters swung open the door to the bank, bank vault. Absolutely incredible. I mean, this is the problem with humans, isn't it, when it comes down to it, because mm. we rely so entirely on technology now mm. for pretty much every aspect of our lives you know we all know that well we, we never really think about it but you know if if all networks were to go down suddenly we'd have no electricity no water no no anything yeah, 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 we'd yeah. like die within minutes <laughs> exactly, you know? exactly and it's and but ultimately it all rests upon mm. human ingenuity and if the human that programs that particular part of the swift system yeah. at at the bank of bangladesh if that human being hasn't thought through every single mm possibility of how someone could circumvent it yep. and then someone finds a way then that's it yeah you're, yep. you're yep. done and what's what's really frightening about this is swift is sort of classic example of this oh by the way i should say i mean that there's nothing necessarily wrong with the swift software it's not that the swift was necessarily badly built right swift sort of after these attacks said well look you know our software was all right it's it's you and how you implement it that's the issue sure. okay and actually swift have done some things to make it more secure in 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 the wake of all of this so they blamed bangladesh effectively well is that swift privilege they're showing there <laughs> <laughs> to a certain extent what, what's amazing about swift is it's one example of where there were just bits of technology where no one sort of thought that that should be secure or that if it's not secure it'd have problems so there's this there's this thing called um the ss7 networks if you want to send messages internationally from phone to phone yes internally in the uk you know we have our telecoms network set up and everything if you want to send them internationally there's a a network that moves messages from phone to phone internationally it wrangles messages from country to country yeah at one stage nobody sort of thought that that needed securing so it was completely unsecured right so hackers realized this and they realized that you could use that SS7 bit to track people's phones, send them fake messages, tap into their voicemail. It's astonishing, absolutely astonishing. And there were people on the dark web selling access to this. And and it wasn't that they had found a security hole, it's the fact there wasn't really any security around it because nobody had sort of thought that this was a bit that needed protecting. <laughs> and it's the same with Swift. You think, well, the bank's really secure, there's really security around it, so we'll just not secure this bit because, you know... We, we feel like the perimeter is so secure they'll just never get to this bit and there's lots of bits of technology like that and it yeah that's that's the that's the it is terrifying isn't <laughs> it when there are so many bad actors as we like to call them now uh in the world and uh yeah i mean it's kind of like uh it's like a top restaurant which uh you you know you have to book months in advance to get into it's very exclusive but they've got like one of those back doors you always see in films you know like round the side <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a metal door next to a brick wall always where people go to smoke yeah and you can just uh yeah. if, if someone's just had a fag and goes back in you quickly get in before the door Shoulder closes surfing yep 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 kind of uh yeah i mean it's it's worrying that that kind of thing can happen yes. within i mean potentially to any network and i guess that's why so many people are paranoid about um 
Chinese interference, for, exa- mm. for example, in telecoms networks. Um, I remember I interviewed Boris Johnson many years ago oh, really? when he was mayor of London right. about his plans to allow a Chinese telecommunications firm uh, to possibly uh, build some of the infrastructure for, I think it was Transport for London, if mm. I remember correctly. And I was saying, is this, is this Mr. Boris such a fantastic yes. idea? And he's like, oh, <laughs> yep. mm. I'm sure it'll be fine. Oh. But if, you know, look, I might be paraphrasing there. I can't remember. If you, okay, but here's the thing. If you don't buy that stuff from China, yeah. What, yeah, could you buy it? Who else is selling it? Could you buy it from the US? And if you buy it from the US, well, isn't the issue there that the, the US then potentially has a backdoor in, you know, or, or if you buy it from Israel or Sweden, do we trust, who do we trust in the world to have a backdoor? Surely in Sweden, stuff? surely you could trust oh, yeah. <laughs> Everyone trusts Sweden. Named. <laughs> Sweden it's funny one. how we all trust Sweden, isn't it? We all assume everybody in Sweden is just like moral, uh-huh. moral good people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so listen, getting back to the plot with Bangladesh Bank. Are we getting so, away from so Sweden now? Yeah. We are, we're getting back to Bangladesh. So, right. so... They've lined up the transaction. They've got into the SWIFT system. They've got to the point where they can make instructions to send money out of Bangladesh Bank's accounts. Yeah. The the issue they had was there was a there was um a printer in the office in Bangladesh Bank. Yeah. An HP LaserJet four hundred series. Just to be honest. Okay. Uh to be clear about this, and that printer it, it had really only one job as far as I can work out, and that was to print out records of the transactions that have been made using swift so every time somebody made a swift transfer the printer would print out a thing saying the swift transfer has been made all right well that's going to be a dead giveaway isn't it like if you've if you've stolen a billion dollars and there's a printer in the corner yeah that's got copies of all of the transactions you've made stealing it yes you're going to get rumbled well quick depends right? how many bits are printed out how many pieces of paper are print you know well, if it's printing one every few seconds because there are lots of transactions going on then maybe nobody would notice it po- possibly so but e- even so at some stage that's going to be a record of your uh, of your crime basically and if you yeah. want to leave no fingerprints then then you know you're trying to give yourself the maximum amount of time to get away with the money basically is what they're doing okay yeah but is there a, is there a okay so there's a printout mm. but is there a record on the com- on the computer system itself as well though Yes, but their, their worry was that, that they could disguise the transactions they made as legitimate transactions. Right. So we'll come on to this a bit later. But, but a bank employee looking through the SWIFT transactions might not have noticed because they would be disguised as legitimate transactions. Okay. But looking at the printouts immediately alerts you in a very physical way is the problem to the fact that these have been made. Anyway, long story short, they hacked into the printer. Okay. And they, they changed the printer settings so that it just printed out blank pages. Wow. So when the Bangladesh Bank employees came in... These were taking their job very seriously. The hackers? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a billion dollars at stake. Of course they're taking it seriously. I can't believe they thought to change I mean, the printer settings. Absolutely astonishing. I'm really impressed so yeah. far. I mean, that's, in terms of the heist movie, what I love is, you know there's a bit in the heist movies often where they, they, they hack into the CCTV or they break into the CCTV and they just put a tape, a loop of tape, so it looks like the vault is constantly empty. Yes. So that is... They the, always that, do that. It's the equivalent of that, basically. I wonder if people do, ever did that in real life or whether that is just another movie trope. Got to be based on, on something, hasn't it? So, so anyway, so so the printer's disabled. They've got access to the Swift system. Sorry, I'm just remembering how in every single film they always find that there's a problem at the point when somebody's just like out of the corner of their eye yep. seeing the tape and yep. they see the glitch yes. where it rewinds yep. to yep. the beginning. Yep. They're like, wait a second. Hey, wait, zoom in on that. <laughs> Magnify it. <laughs> and do you know, so the other thing in heist movies, you know there's always a bit in the heist movie where the carefully planned thing 
almost goes wrong. Yeah. So like one of them drops a spanner yes. and there's a really loud noise and they all freeze and look at each other. Yeah. And the next shot, the next shot is usually an aging security guard with a dog and a torch who goes, <laughs> wait. And then he, he pauses for a moment and goes, ah, probably nothing. And then he moves on. <laughs> yeah, just when all... he's like an inch away exactly, from, them, yeah. from their hiding place. Remarkably, the same thing happened in the Bangladesh Bank case. So they lined up 36 transactions right. that they were going to transfer money out of Bangladesh Bank's account in New York. Okay. Um, now, the problem with that is, and that totaled $951 million. Oh, my Lord. So this is basically everything in the, everything in the account. Wow. Now, the, the thing about those transactions, you can't just say to the New York Fed, please transfer $951 million to Glenn Goodman's account. Here it is. Right. You have to specify an intermediary bank. So it's got to go to, like, I don't know, HSBC or Santander, and they then put it into your account. Okay. In these 36 transactions, in 35 of them, they didn't specify the intermediary bank. They just specified the end account number. And so they got declined. The New York Fed declined about 35 of the transactions saying you haven't so they had to redo them all and put them through again (laughs) you can imagine the hackers oh my god they've all been declined quick 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 put them through again and with that the money starts moving out of the new york fed they start actioning the transactions and at that point 951 million bucks is on its way out of the account wow and it's on its way yeah where to the philippines (gasps) why the philippines I, I just I thought that in that silence there there should have been some Philippines music. <laughs> Add, edit that on later. Philippines. Philippines music. If this was a film, that's when you'd cut. To yeah, you would. The you, Philippines. A sort of iconic kind of, thing of the yeah, Philippines. A yeah, montage. maybe a tuk-tuk or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, what I'll do is I'll edit that on, and we'll come on to the next episode. That nice. Sounds good. Yes, good. In the next episode, we head to the Philippines to find out just how you go about laundering tens of millions of dollars. The answer lies in Manila's swish and swanky casino scene.